The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three and wife to a country music star. And I'm Jess Diamond, registered dietitian nutritionist and mom to one. And this is Meaningful Living, a community to make parenting and life a little easier and a lot less lonely. Every week, we talk to experts, parents, and answer your questions to share the practical tips and real side of parenting we all need. Because when you remove the doubt, fear, and stress from everyday decisions, you create more time for the meaningful moments. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. Happy Monday, Jess. Happy Monday. I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long. Oh my gosh. It's been like a week. That feels a long time. (laughs) It does feel like a long time. I feel like I just like, I know more of what's going on in your life through Instagram, but like, I don't actually know, know what's going on. It's this weird world we live in now. Gosh, I feel like it's been so busy. So I know. Hey. Hey. So I'm glad we're chatting because I really wanted to talk to you about sneaking items, not items, I guess, food into our kids' meals. You know, like the foods that they might not be really into right now or quote into right now or that they say yuck to. And I'm like, wait, usually you love that but we know are so important. And I had this impulse the other day because Luca, we had kale salad with like a shaved, um, surprise, surprise, kale salad um, with shaved Parmesan on top. And he wasn't eating the salad, even though, you know, we all know Luca loves his kale salad. He was just eating the shaved Parmesan bits on top. And so I had this impulse to be like, do all these things like, wait, but you love kale salad. Wait, try the Parmesan with the kale. Luca, let's eat a bite together. You know, all the things that you're like, no, just try it. Just try it. And like almost forcing it. Yes. But then I I was like, oh my gosh, I remembered you telling me to just fight this impulse. So I wanted to talk about it on the podcast because I feel like so many people can relate to this. It's how I definitely grew up. I just feel like it's it's normal in our quote food culture. So can you just remind us why it's so important to fight this impulse to say those things? Yes, 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 and yes. So I think that sneaking food into our kids' meals is almost like this rite of passage that happens at toddlerhood. It's like all of a sudden we become toddlers and we put our parent hat on and it's like, okay, they're toddlers now. So I have to make muffins that have secretive zucchini in them or, you know, meatballs that have secretive some other vegetable that they're not into or make a smoothie that looks like a pink or red smoothie and kind of hide spinach in it. And first of all, I have fully kind of lied and snuck food into Bryce's meals before. It's not something I do regularly by any means, but that when I've done it, I've felt guilty when I've done it because I know I should fight that impulse, but it's usually been when I've been at my wits end or just societal pressure, almost like everyone's watching my kid eat because he's a dietitian's kid. And so I sometimes will be like, oh no, you know, there was a point in time he wasn't really into cheese. And so I was like, oh no, there's not really cheese in there, even though there was cheese in there. So The reason I tell you that I've done this is because I don't want anyone listening to number one, think I'm perfect, or number two, think that I'm teaching perfection because that's really not the goal in parenting and it's not realistic. So none of this means all the time we have to do it. It's just 
more of we need to fight this impulse so we're not doing it all the time, you know? So I think despite what society tells us, when our babies become toddlers, that's not the time to start sneaking food. It's just not. And it's it, this is so important and it is so foundational in helping decrease picky eating and help our kids just have a good relationship with food. It's so important that I think it's actually an entire principle that we put into our toddler course that's releasing soon. I want to say it's like principle number seven, because I think we just get sneaky and we need to fight this impulse. So so here's why we want to fight the impulse. It's almost kind of thinking about it as an entire new framework of how we feed our kids because right now how it's working, it's just not working, right? Like everyone struggles with this and we kind of all resort to this. So I want you to kind of rethink the way that we do it because if we rethink the way that we do it, then we can actually see the change we all desperately want to see. So here's why we don't want to sneak foods. Number one, trust. Your kids need to trust you when it comes to feeding. This is so foundational. So if you're sneaking some sort of spinach always into their smoothie and you're telling them there's no spinach in there, one of a couple of things are going to happen. Number one, they're going to see you put spinach in there one time. And then you're going to either have to like double down on the lie and be like, no, there's not spinach in there, even though what you just saw was spinach going into the smoothie. And number two is, is that we're also not sending the right message. So we're not teaching our kids that spinach is something that they eat. And so if we're constantly disguising it in something else, they never grow up to realize that they're okay with zucchini. And then all of a sudden they see see zucchini and they freak out. And so they need to know what they're eating so that they learn to enjoy it. And so we really want them to know what's going in their food. And we also want them to trust us because if they don't trust us, it's only going to make picky eating worse because they're not going to trust what's actually in their food. Wow. So true. And kids are so smart. They're so smart. They're so smart. They're way more intuitive and smart than we ever give them credit for. So they know. Totally. And I think it's our natural impulse. It's like we know that spinach is good for us. And so if our kids aren't into spinach, then we want to put it in places so that they don't notice it's there because we want them to get the health benefits of it. But it's then also like what's going to ultimately happen is we have to like turn into like this 007 covert mission of like hiding it and lying and hiding and lying and hiding and lying. And it's kind of this never ending thing. And so it's a habit that it's, if it happens once in a while, totally fine. But I really want us to start thinking about this framework that we don't need to hide these foods and we can do it a different way. Yeah, that'd get very exhausting. Totally. I feel like we as parents and adults or caregivers need to also relinquish our preconceived notion about a food too, because we all have these like, oh, you know, mine is mushrooms. I really don't eat mushrooms. But I've had to reframe it to like, I'll try it. I'll try it. I still don't care for them, <laughs> but I will try it every time. And it's been a really good learning lesson for me because my kids then will try pretty much everything. And there's times that they're just like, no, I'm not. I'm not. But I mean, they chow down on fish skin. Like Luca the other <laughs> night was, we had like a, what do you call that? It was like a family style plate of like, four different portions of salmon and he went on every piece of salmon salmon and pulled off all the fish skin and ate it. And I'm like, oh my God. And he and Liv were like fighting over the fish skin. And I'm like, oh, slimy. It's not even like the crispy one. It's the slimy one. It's so but, funny. But yeah, for us to like, I'm trying not to be like, oh, gross. Because then they're like, wait, what? Oh, this is gross. Yeah. 
Completely. I like we have to shift the way that we talk about food. We talk so much about food. We just need to talk less about food. We need to make it less of an issue, right? Less of a salesman, less of these are the things I like and I don't like and and kind of play neutral. And I think if we I always learn by examples. So I think if we're like trying to sneak in food. So Bryce, for a little point in time, he was not into yogurt and cheese. And as a dietitian, that was hard. He doesn't drink milk. He wasn't eating yogurt or cheese. And I was like, all right, you're just making it harder for me to get calcium and vitamin D in you. And it's just kind of frustrating. So he's obsessed with those lentil cauliflower tacos that I'm obsessed with as well. And there's cheese in them, right? There's cheese or vegan cheese, whatever you want to put in it. So let's say that I'm like, great, he's already obsessed with them. He might not know cheese is in there. Let me just kind of sneak the cheese in and then he devours it. He eats the taco. In that situation, I'm then stuck because either he's going to investigate it, find a piece of cheese and I'm going to break the trust where he's going to say like, is this cheese in here? And then I'm stuck in a moment where I either have to lie and say there's not cheese when there's cheese (laughs) right? And which is just going to make him more distrustful and perpetuate this picky eating because he knows. Or I'm going to have to try to convince him that you love cheese or you like cheese because you just ate it. And he's that, that, that thing doesn't work with kids, right? We think like, okay, if they eat the smoothie that has the spinach in it, then once I tell them that there's spinach in it, they're going to all of a sudden say like, oh, I like spinach now. It just doesn't work. He's going to be like, nope, I don't want them. There's cheese in it. I don't want it. Even if I took a bite and I loved it, I don't want it. Yeah. Like if someone tricked me into something, I would be like more pissed that they tricked me and being like, why did you do that? Now I'm definitely not going to like it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay. You guys, by now, you know how much we love ritual vitamins. As a dietitian mom, I make it my mission to be just a vitamin expert. And Ritual is one vitamin that really crosses, honestly, everything off my list. I would never recommend a vitamin that I wouldn't take myself. And you guys know I'm very, very selective when it comes to supplements. And I take Ritual daily during pregnancy and now, and it's amazing. Getting enough vitamins, you guys know, is so important for our health. It's really crucial. And Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet and 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of omega-3s. Well, lucky for us, Ritual is here to help. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by lots and lots and lots of research to help fill in nutrient gaps in the diets of women aged 18 plus. And it's perfect if you're looking to boost your vitamin D levels. Vitamin D is essential for immunity, which I don't think a lot of people talk about. In fact, in a clinical trial, it was shown to increase vitamin D levels, wait for this, by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. You guys, I've made ritual a ritual in my life now and the lives of many of my clients. I take it first thing in the morning because I just love doing something that's positive for my nutrition right when I start. And it may sound crazy, but I love the flavor. It's actually good, which you can't say about most vitamins. So to me, it's all about the small things we can do daily to better our health and ritual is it. They're committed to quality ingredients always. I've extensively, extensively researched and everything in them is great. There is no shady stuff ever and they're delivered straight to your door. So if you're ready to discover your new favorite multivitamin, 
Right now, Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash living and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash living. Try them, recommend them to your friends. They're that good. What's up, everyone? I'm Sheena Shea. You may know me from nine seasons of Bravo's Vanderpump Rules, but I'm here to tell you about my podcast called Shenanigans. We talk about everything from reality TV, pop culture, relationships, parenting, and invite you to join the conversations with Q&A sessions where nothing is off the table. There's so much more I want to share with you. Thanks for listening and make sure to subscribe to Shenanigans to stay up to date with new episodes every Friday. So I feel like everyone's probably like, okay, great. I've been sneaking in food and I feel like that's the only way that I can get my kid to eat, right? Is if I, if I put it in. So what, what can I do if I'm not going to be sneaking food anymore? Yeah. What do you do? All right. So what do you do in those situations? A lot of the work is going to happen outside of mealtimes, which I think when we think of meals, we think like in the moment when we're serving them, that's where they're going to learn to try a lot of foods, but it's actually not. It's, it's all those other times when we're not around foods that they start to learn about foods. So the more exposure to foods, the better. So what is an exposure? An exposure is if they see it with their eyes, if they touch it with their hands, if they learn about it with their ears. So it's not just about tasting. I think we focus so much about the food going in their mouth, but there's lots of ways that we can dial up this exposure to kids and not in a salesperson way. So not like, oh, look, we're going to look at spinach right now and spinach is so yummy and you should eat it, but literally nonchalant. We are, are saying here is dial up the exposure, dial down the pressure. So you know, if you have the opportunity where you can get a garden, KiwiCo has these wonderful garden windows that you can just get this little tiny set and you can put up on your window and you can grow some fruits or vegetables. So kids knowing where they come from. So if you have a garden that you can even go outside to, or if there's one in your community, that's amazing. Going to farms and picking food so they can see kind of where it grows, getting books to learn where food comes from, and then playing with food in a sensory way. So this is one that I don't think comes naturally to us a lot of times, but if cucumber is something that your kid is really not into and they're just, if a cucumber is on a plate, they are fearful of it and they don't want to touch it, start playing with cucumbers. Cut a cucumber in half and put a little paint on it and let them stamp with a cucumber and paint with it. Give them a little kitchen knife and let them cut with it. You know, kids eat better when they're involved in cooking. Whether or not they're eating it after that, I don't actually care whether or not they eat it. What I care about is that they're having these pressure-free exposures. That is what's key. So kids eat better when they are involved in cooking. And we just know that. So the more that you can do that and let them cut things, let them play with you and do all of that, it's, it's really powerful. I mean, you guys have a garden. Do you feel like your kids do better based on the food that you grow there? A thousand percent. Because they, love, they literally go out, pick the kale, bring it in and then they help make the kale salad. And the nights that I don't like, I'm just in a hurry and I'm like, I don't have time to have you guys help me with this. I mean, I don't say that, but believe me, I feel it. They're really upset. Like they want to be a part of it. And the nights that they are a part of making the kale salad, they really want to eat it. And I don't know if that's a coincidence, but they love it. And they love to go out in the garden and just like pick a radish and, I mean, personally, radishes aren't really my favorite thing, yeah. but they just like that they can like go out and pick their own food and be, it, it's an experience. It's very cool. 
It is really cool. And, you know, there's a lot of companies that are allowing you to do this, like inside apartments, inside windows. You know, there's a lot of ways that we can just, even if it's not all of the food you're growing by any means, I mean, I don't have that, but something where you can just watch how kind of a seed sprouts and how a seed grows. That's really, really powerful for them. And I think the other thing to remember is if your kid is really picky, there is this thing called neophobia. They are scared of new things. So I think a great example, I've had so many parents right now, it's summer and their kids aren't eating cherries. Like I put out cherries and they're really sweet. My kid's not eating them. It's gonna take a lot of exposures for them to realize what it is and feel comfortable with it. And I don't know about you, Haley, but when anyone's ever pressured me to do anything, like literally anything, I recoil. Like that makes me not interested in trying it. And so- what we do is we put kind of all this positive pressure on it where it's like, eat your, you know, just try the cherry or pair the cherry like you were saying in the beginning with, you know, the piece of Parmesan cheese that you like or something like that where we try to convince them and then kind of all that pressure just makes them recoil that if we can give them opportunities to experience, how do you cut a cherry? What does the inside of a cherry look like? How does a cherry grow? And you do that in a more nonchalant way, chances are they're going to be more more likely to eat it or even more likely to touch it or look at it or be in the same room with it. It all depends on where your kid is kind of on the spectrum of pickiness because there's some kids where if a cherry's in the same room with with as them, that they just lose it. And so I think exposure, 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 exposure outside of the dinner table, outside of you know any type of eating and just looking at kind of cooking and learning about food as a learning experience, just like you would look at school. Those are all such good points. I just also remembered going to the grocery store with our kids because we really didn't do that during the pandemic. And so having them being involved in like, all right, what should we have for dinner tonight? And like have them get to pick one vegetable. Okay, Mm -hmm. which vegetable are we going to have for dinner tonight? And, you know, picking the corn and they get to shuck the corn and that's really cool for them. They love shucking the corn. But I've just noticed that they they really enjoy that. And it's just like a fun activity. And I feel like I'm killing a few birds with one stone. Completely. So if you're someone that's listening and you're like, all right, I really don't cook at all with my kid. Every recipe we put out in the little note section, we talk about age appropriate ways to get your kid involved. Because for me, even though this is what I did, once I had Bryce, I was like, okay, he's at what age? What is he safe to do right now? How can he get involved? This just almost feels more overwhelming because there's so much unknown. So we've broken it down in recipes because I think it's so important. At this age, they can pull apart, you know, herbs. They can mix in a bowl. You can give them a spoon. The other thing that works great is you can actually, even if you don't want them involved in kind of the cooking that you're doing, let's say it's baking or something that needs to be precise, let them pretend to be cooking at the same time up at the counter with you, right? So give them a bowl of water, let them mix with a spoon and and just be part of the experience. Yes. And that actually just reminded me about sometimes when I'm prepping food, like if I really have it together, I prep during their nap time or or a time that I don't have like the kids there because then I can just get it all done. It's prepped and then they can really help put it all together. However, the times that they are there, I always have a few extra like zucchini, banana, things that are easily choppable with their kids' knives. And so I'll put them like in their little stools on the counter 
and they sit on the counter and they focus so hard on their cutting and they're just in it. They could do it for two hours sitting there and chopping vegetables. And even if it is not part of what we were making that night, I'm like, oh my gosh, great. And we bag it up and I'm like, we're going to make this for lunch tomorrow and we're going to have stir fry, whatever. But it keeps them really occupied and it is my favorite trick. So always have extra zucchini. They love to chop zucchini. I'm adopting that because I think that's fantastic. Ads make these episodes possible and we are so grateful for our ad partners. We're always on the hunt for brands that we truly align with and that you'll love too. Today's sponsor is a special one, you guys. If you're pregnant or if you've just had a baby, this is especially for you. You know that your skin goes through a lot of changes during motherhood, a lot. So we're excited to tell you about Nima. Mom founded and mom tested, Nima is a sustainable luxury skincare collection created for mothers and their families. Their mission is to create clean and effective pregnancy and postpartum solutions for wherever you are in your motherhood journey by combining luxury ingredients, the ingredients are so good, and focusing on meaningful conversations around maternal wellness. We love the mission and we absolutely love the products. Nima was founded by my dear friends, Mary and Madison Lee, and is inspired by the love of their children and the desire to help moms find pregnancy skincare that isn't just safe, but as luxurious and effective as other skincare products. If you're a new mom or mom-to-be, you're going to want to add all of these products to your cart. They have three products available, stretch mark cream, a scar treatment, which is a game changer, trust me, and a nipple and lip balm. Even though I'm two years post-baby, I still use these. I use the scar cream for kids' scrapes and also my surgery scars and love the stretch mark cream. All NEMA products are vegan, hypoallergenic, and dermatologist approved, and they feel so good on your skin. It makes the perfect gift set for any new mom or mom-to-be in your life. You can purchase their products from their website, NEMA.com. That's N-E-M-A-H.com. And use the code LIVINGNEMA at checkout for 15% off. Go get yourself some amazing products or gift these for a friend. They are my go-to for all new moms. So this episode is also brought to you by us at Meaningful Living. We really wanted to take a second to talk to you about our Feeding Your Baby Solids course. It is so incredible and we want you all to know about it. So are you ready to start your little one on solids? Have you just been dreaming about having that kid that will eat anything? Well, this course is for you. As a dietitian mom, I promise you, I know how overwhelming starting solids can be, which is why we created the Feeding Your Baby Solids course. And there's just so much misinformation out there about solids that makes it so hard for us to feel confident. So we created this course so you can feel 100% confident with feeding your baby. Whether you're wanting to do purees or baby-led weaning, which is table food early on, or really a combination of the two, which we talk about in the course, this course is for you. We cover it all. It's actually the course I taught Haley years ago, which just dramatically changed the way she thinks about and feeds her kids. And it's really one of the reasons we started Meaningful Living. And it's the same course I've been teaching to clients for so long that's now in a digital format. So what's so cool about it is it's set up as a series of short videos. So you can watch them on your own time at your own pace. You also get lifetime access. So any updates over time you'll get. And we give you all of the practical information you need to raise a non-picky, independent eater from the start, and honestly will help you with feeding your baby, but so many of the skills carry into toddlerhood. We 
cover it all in the course. Honestly, we answer all of your questions. We answer questions you likely didn't even have. We cover cup drinking and purees and baby led weaning, what to feed your baby, when to feed them, how to do it, high allergen foods. Uh, We give you recipes. We even show you helpful baby sign language, which will help you learn how to communicate with your kids so that your baby can communicate back to you during feeding, which is so powerful. So it really covers everything. We promise you, you'll leave this course filled with the confidence to embrace this meaningful milestone. So if you have a baby three months or older, you're definitely going to want to go check out this course. It also makes for the perfect gift for any mom. It's been our go-to gift at baby showers now. So because you're a listener of the show, we've got a coupon code for you to use. Head to MeaningfulLiving.com. You guys know that's with two L's in Meaningful. And use code FULL, F-U-L-L, to snag this course for only $25. Again, that's code FULL to get the course for $25. You guys go check it out. We can't wait to hear what you guys think. And then the other thing is taste testers. We do ne- we never cook. Bryce is not involved in cooking unless we have taste testers because they're going to want to put the food in their mouth. And so we take dried fruit or like our traditional ones or even a little scalp bars, just something so that as he has that impulse that he wants to taste, I'm giving him something to taste. And that's great too, because you're exposing them to different types of things. So your taste tester can be, one thing can be a slam dunk thing they always eat. And then the other one could be some of the zucchini pieces or something like that. So that's, that's another way to do it. And as I'm like sitting here thinking about this, I don't want anyone to think like you have to read like the nutrition label, right? Your kid, every time you make a smoothie, you don't need to say like the 10 ingredients in this smoothie are chia seeds, strawberries, spinach, but it's more so of just not actively hiding. And when they ask, tell them because we want our kids to grow up knowing that they actually like zucchini and not zucchini muffins or that they are okay with something else besides that, right? If we're always sneaking it in, we're teaching them to like the the item that we're not really trying to promote, right? We're not teaching them to like fruits and vegetables. Right. Like somebody said that when you're sneaking zucchini into muffins, you're teaching them to like the muffins, not the zucchini. Exactly. Just like you were saying. And so that makes so much sense. And I do, I want my kids to know what okra is. I didn't know what okra was until I was 21 years old. I didn't grow up in the South, but I had no idea what okra was, but I want my kids to know what, what all these things are, whether they decide to like them or not in their life, that's fine. But I want them to know what it is. 21 is very precise. How do you remember that you were 21 years old? (laughs) Because in college I would work part-time and do grocery shopping and I would prep their groceries. I would like buy the groceries, go home, clean them, chop them, bag them, everything. And one time she asked for okra and she was from the South. And I was like, I'm sorry, what's okra? <laughs> and I had to ask her and they didn't even have it. And we were in San Diego. Um, they had it in the frozen department, but I had no clue. I love that story. I need I need a little prepper like you. I do too. Right? <laughs> where, where can I find me at 21? 100%. That is, that's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, that's, that is the truth. We want our kids to learn about the actual item that they want them to do. I think the best way to approach feeding is to just like kind of take a step back because we get so focused in that moment. Like those mealtime power struggles are so intense that we are just so zeroed in on the moment. But I almost want you to think like, okay, when your kid is six, seven, 10, 15, and adults, 
we want them to understand that there are foods that they eat. And not every food has to be your favorite, and that's an important thing for them to learn. But we want them to know that it's not zucchini muffins that they eat, but it could be zucchini in a salad. It could be zucchini some other way. And I think we feel like it's that pressure that it's that pressure that causes those impulses to hide things. But instead, let's take that pressure and let's say like, okay, I really want to expose my kid more. I want them to learn about this and I'm going to do it in a way that's going to help build these sustainable eating habits throughout life. Because that's really at the end of the day, what our ultimate job is here. Absolutely. Now, what if we are sneaking foods from our kids since we're talking about sneaking? Like Tyler, I mean, I do this too, but I'm just going to throw Tyler under the bus because because um, he'll go into the pantry and, you know, we have all those containers at the home edit so amazingly organized, but he takes the container of chocolate chips and just grabs a handful and Liv will know. She'll be like, dad, what are you eating? dad, do you have chocolate chips? And it's like, oh no, they're, they're so smart, you know? And like, what do we say? What do we do? This must, this must be like the experience of every single family because number one, Bryce can identify, he can be in the other room and he can hear the shuffle of us opening up the dried mango. He can tell the difference between a mango and a cookie. He'll be like, which cookie? What are you having a cookie now? Like I can hear it. He can actually hear it. And I sneak all the time because you know, I have these rules of like, you want to have these defined meal and snack times. And then I don't listen to my own rules. I'm like, I'm hungry right now. I kind of want a cookie, but like, do I really want to explain to Bryce that I'm having a cookie and that it's not during snack? Like sometimes I just don't want to open Pandora's box. So like there's been totally times that I've grabbed a cookie and I've like knelt down behind my kitchen island and like eat it really quickly. And then he'll ask me like, what are you eating? And then I just lie and I don't fess up, which is so wrong. Guys, don't follow what I'm saying here. Um, (laughs) but we're not normal if we don't do that. We're not normal. Yes. And like, honestly, once I'm, you know, I'm all about 80, 20. So most of the time, most of the time, how should we approach this? If you're going to get something and your kid is around, it's fair game for them. So if you are going to eat something that's not part of meal or snack time, or it's their snack time and you pull out a different snack, assuming it's not alcohol or something that they can't have, that's fair game. You got to share it with them if they ask, or even if they don't ask, because it's not fair for you to have one thing and them have something different and them not allowed to have that because you are their ultimate models. And what we say, model the behavior you want to see. So we are their models. So we got to model that. And so, you know, this happens all the time. Josh will come up, Bryce will be in the middle of his lunchtime and all of a sudden he's pulling out something from the fridge and then Bryce all of a sudden gets upset. Like, I want that, I want that, I want that too. I'm like, it's fair game. Yes, you can have a bite of that, you know, even if, even if the serving size (laughs) was not planned for that, but we do that all the time. That's good to know. Because I've I've played hardcore sometimes. (laughs) I'm like, this is, this is mommy's breakfast. You just had your breakfast. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, we have this amazing sourdough, Annie. I love her. She makes sourdough like, you know, maybe once a month for us and it's the best treat ever. And so I'll give my kids some, but like really I'm saving this sourdough for me. And so they had their breakfast. And then today I had my sourdough with avocado and egg. And they were like, uh, Luke was like, oh, me, me too. And I was like, hmm. Oh, I guess I have to give it to you, but I really didn't want to. I was almost like, no, this is mommy's breakfast, but 
I gave in. I mean, I know. I I totally get it. But also I need to talk to Annie because that's so weird you brought that up because I just started a sourdough starter for the first time. I did it yesterday. So I'm going to need tips. Yeah. It's one of those things that I'm like, as a dietitian, I should know how to make sourdough bread at this point. Like I need to, this is a fun hobby. I feel like I could be a sourdough maker. Oh, walk me through it. I can't wait one day to walk me through it. But yeah, Annie's sourdough is so good. I'm going to have to get pointers from her. But yeah, it is hard. And I think our kids force us in every area, whether it's feeding or not, they force us to model the behavior that we want to see. We're doing something differently. They're going to want to do it. And also, it's so annoying when you pull something out and then your kid wants it. But at the same time, if we look at it through this lens of like education, like they're learning, when you have something, a lot of times they're curious about it and they want to try it too. So part of that is unlocking kind of that curiosity and kind of stepping into it. And so that's totally, it is totally fine. I totally am fine if you say sometimes this is mommy's breakfast and not yours, that's okay. But 80% of the time, give them something. <laughs> yeah, it is true. They just, they really just want what we have. And even, I think we talked about this in previous episodes, but when I was pregnant, at one phase in my pregnancy, I was craving like just lettuce, which was like very rare. You know me, I was wanting cheese and bread, but in the phase where I was wanting lettuce, I was just eating lettuce. And then Liv was just eating plain lettuce too. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay, sure. It's, it's, <laughs> she just wanted to be like me. Totally. They all just want to be, they all want to be like us, but they also love the reactions that they get. So the reason why we say pressure-free meals is not only because the pressure makes them recoil, the pressure makes it really exciting. I don't know if you've ever, you know, gone off on your kid or you like make a big reaction where they do something that you don't want them to do. They're going to redo that because they're like, whoa, even if it was negative, that was a big reaction. And that was just... I'm going to sometimes act out so I can get that reaction again. It's the same thing with feeding. And so a lot of times there's so much behavioral part behind this because when we kind of dial up that pressure, positive or negative, right? Like it can be bribing or it can just be like spinach makes you strong. It makes them less likely to try it because they're like, aha, the last time I did this, mom gave me a really funny reaction and now I'm going to keep getting that rise out of them. And so I think pressure all around is a good idea, but just not sneaking. Like, let's just start serving toddlers food and helping them learn and having that patience to watch them learn. And I I always want to end this with picky eating is on a spectrum. And there is a degree of picky eating that you need to see a feeding therapist for. Like there is picky eating that has gone too far. That is not typical picky eating that help is really needed. It could be a textural thing in their mouth. Like there could be a physiological reason, or I guess physical reason that you could be pickier. But for the typical toddler, for the typical one, I want it to be like, it's not that toddlers don't eat spinach and we need to hide it. It's toddlers need a lot more practice with spinach to figure out how to eat it. And that is what I want the take home to be is just exposure, exposure, exposure. And it might take a hundred times, but every time they see it, they touch it, they smell it, they cook with it. That is leading to eventual eating. And that is what the key is to all of this. That's great. And I feel like that'd be a really great, a great place to end, but I have one more question. Yeah. And I mean, ask it. <laughs> is there an age or a, a phase in life where it's kind of too late, where you've like missed the texture window and missed that window? And I hate to say that because I don't want parents to feel like, oh no, I've missed my window. But is there? Fantastic question. 
it is never too late. So the thing that we know about kids is that what we model to them and what we do, even if it's something that's like been ingrained in your family and it's ingrained in them and maybe they're even 10, 12, 14 years old and they say those things back, when you make a family switch, when you make a change to something, them watching you make that change is so pivotal. So it is never too late to combat combat picky eating. It is never too late to change the way that you serve up foods and handle foods in your household. With that being said, there actually is a flavor window that we have that's about six months to 18 months old. And what happens during that time is that we want to expose our kids to as many flavors and textures during that time because that can help set up preferences for life. So if you didn't do that, that doesn't mean that they'll never like them. But if you are in that stage, I want you to not think of baby food. I mean, this is what we talk in our Feeding Your Baby Solids course because it is so important. Baby food should not be bland, right? We think about it as this bland pureed substance. We want to start advancing texture. We want to add spices in there. We want to give them different types of textures for them to learn about it. And between that six months and 18 months, it's just called this window. It is just this flavor window. And so we want to pack in all the flavor we can to help set them up so that it is less kind of scary or less new as they get older. Um, And neophobia, the fear of new foods, is a very, very typical thing that happens developmentally and it just happens. And so instead of taking that neophobia and saying like, okay, this new food, I'm going to stop serving it. We need to look at it as like, ah, this is what's happening. All of a sudden my kid used to eat spinach. Now they won't touch it. Aha, Jess told me this is neophobia. They're afraid of new things. So I'm not going to pressure it. I'm going to say like, okay, they need probably a hundred exposures. So let me figure out how can we cook with this? How can we play with this? How can we learn about it? And that's really, that's really the answer for so much of this. Well, thank you. I always love our chats and I always walk away learning something. So I loved today. I loved it too. And you know, I could talk about this all day long. I mean, I guess I do talk about it all day long. I guess I'm in, <laughs> I guess I chose the right career for myself. Anyone that's struggling with picky eating, if you have a baby, take our Feeding Your Baby Solids course. It is $39 and I promise you it is, it's life-changing. It sets your baby up and kid up for life. It is incredible. We also have a free guide on our website. It's tips for raising a less picky intuitive eater. And that is something you can hang on your fridge. It is beautiful. You can look at it and it gives us kind of all those quotes and everything we say over time as good pointers, which is also great for in-laws or babysitters or your partner or anyone else that's raising your kids because they just have really good pointers that you can put up on the fridge. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. It'd mean the world to us if you'd take a second to rate, review, and follow the show and tell your friends about it. It's the best way to support the show. And if you have any questions you want us to cover on the show, call our voicemail line at 833-444-FULL. We want to hear from you. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com for resources, courses, and to shop our favorites. Can't wait to see you next week.